0: Hello everyone, this is Tevo Diarce and the head apostle of the Cross body Unity New Move for Leaders in the Body of Christ Ministers. We're just checking out some things so that we're all trying to find the only really true apostle of all times of the church was Jesus Christ. Who and what was he organically before we got a hold of him, the world and the media And entertainment and bias and all sorts of things in history, but also in the last 50 years, 20 years, 15 years, 5 years. So I'm just going to clarify because I'm going to make points. I've been talking some really spooky stuff, the spooky realm that not many people are aware of, they don't understand. So I don't want to creep anybody out, be super spiritual, go overboard, but I do know the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to tell you why I can talk and use terms really to the charismatics mainly. We're affected by this, my peers. I can do it because it's been God's grace and the leading to know about it in the field because it affects Hebrews 10.25. Hebrews 10.25, the command of Paul. Hey, the goodly command. Don't forsake fellowshipping with the saints as some have. That's good for all of us. But right now you have to know where, (laughs) why, when, how often, and hear God for yourself because of levels of things that can be wonderful-looking, could be really wonderful authentically, but there are levels that are in the doctrinal bathwaters. The doctrinal bathwaters is what has got me all fired up. I didn't understand it till after the decades it built up and I kept seeing it around the nation, dysfunction in the fruit, character affecting targeting people and that is what gets me this passionate zeal for the father's houses and for them so they don't go through trouble bring down judgment from false religion in this now move new we're in a new move newer move than them all of us so i'm going to talk about my history that was simple easy going doesn't scare me but i can tell it because i was raised around functional Operating, professional strength, people, ministers of caliber who are real ministers, offices, and then also business people, good family people. They didn't know, you know, go around saying we're a minister, but it was quiet, calm, but effective, very effective, transparent. And that's what we're trying to be, only to be transparent. All right. So when I was growing up, my father was a Baptist pastor who went through the seminary, officially graduated from Louisville Theological Seminary. Now my dad grew up in Dallas, deep south Dallas, excuse me, deep south Georgia, Dallas, Georgia is what I meant. The reason I said the other, it's psychological because I just got out of 15 years of the other kind of Dallas that stirred me up really to address this. It's that important psychological stuff. I mean, false teaching, false witness. All right, so I go back to Dad, who is a down-to-earth person and lived, was a product of the Deep South, but he was not a slave owner kind. He was raised servant leader, kind-hearted, compassionate, and would, to me, model Jesus inside and out, going about, being on stage or not. He wasn't big in ministry, but he was big to me, and I believe big, bigger to God than I realized till after I've seen my life and the differences, the significant differences in Christian minister and Christ-following since. So he was raised as a servant leader, Kimball, Miley Kimball Johnson, Jr. His father, Miley Kimball Johnson, Sr., was in the postage stamp-sized town of his day, all right, his father was a school superintendent and principal, I believe, and his mother, my grandmother, whom I knew, she was a she was a Baptist who was from Methodist and Baptist, and they were. She was a teacher and a Bible teacher, but she also was a daughter of a country doctor, one of nine. So they were people who were ordinary, but had some call on their lives, so Dad grew up, and my biggest thing of Dad is remembering that the stories about my dad my dad had blue eyes, he was six foot four, but his the story was because he was out in the country a lot, that he hated shoes, and he would get so dark that he, people would think he was African American until he turned around because he liked just being outside dad would be is my role model for now for me to try to live up to that standard of relating to people respecting all colors all faiths being a genuine person not easily ruffled not accusing not biased but just down to earth and chatting so i i picture dad as just affable amiable but quality not pc and he'd go to the store when i grew you know when i came along we were up in virginia and so he'd go to the store, I'd walk with him as the firstborn, I was eight years older than my sister, and I'd watch him. I'd just be with him and I'd see how he interacted with the grocery clerk at the barber shop. Wherever he went, it was just the same person and that's all colors equal. That's what I refer I wanna be like. All right. So I didn't put he didn't put on airs. And he wasn't country, they were educated. And they were white, but he wasn't a colonial. I don't know where that comes in in our society, but Mom was different. Mom is—they're both in heaven. So Mom was raised in a more patrician, but still Christian and equal. Everyone's equal, and they were more formal and more, I guess, business-like than my uh, father's family. And she was from Birmingham, Alabama. Where at one point my father, my grandfather Augustus Tavo Simmons, was the side, French Huguenot side, but mom was raised more uh, colonial and more regally, I guess you'd say. So she had the more matriarchal streak, which could be pretty tough. And I learned from that. I thought, that's not what I'm supposed to be as a Christian, as a leader, as a person. So I learned from that. Now, mom had been called. They were in society, so to speak. And so before I came along, and so mom had given up being a debutante and being presented in society in Birmingham <laughs> before I came along. So when I came along, I wasn't raised in that. I didn't care to be dead. didn't care about it. I don't care about it. So mom could tell me, wanted to tell me, she tried to tell me her lineage, whatever the family history was, when I had met Jesus as a Jesus person right before college, coming up with healthy people, no abuse, no accusation, no racism, never heard anybody talk ugly in my family or accuse anybody or gossip. So they were trustworthy. So the whole family was like that, and they believed the Bible, but they weren't Bible thumpers, and they weren't Bible beat-down artists or fundamentalists. They had fun. We had, uh, when my mom and dad, when I grew up and was about five or so, my aunt, who had been a an Episcopal rector's wife, more formal, in Birmingham, she had four children and the man committed adultery. The, the rector did, the Episcopal rector. And so we went down and drove down and got her and the four children to live with us in Virginia, outside of Richmond, where dad had a church and they taught school, had a church. So when we went down and got the four children, my cousins, I had playmates because I was the firstborn, the child, you know, of eight years, and that was good. But my aunt was sick. My aunt had been through a lot, so she was sickly, and she brought with her her African-American nurse, which was like a nanny, but really a nurse, you know, just being with her and helping with the children, and a nurse. So Helen lived with us. So Helen and the four children and my aunt lived with us in in Virginia. And I got to relate. I got to know Helen as part of the family. I got to know black and African-American people as part of the family. And we laughed. And we had... And my dad, I'm going to say this. My dad was, you know, Baptists are teetotalers. They were teetotalers, you know. They weren't strict religious, but they were like, just didn't. And he didn't smoke, of course. So I remember Helen, who lived with us, part of the family, that she dipped snuff back then back in the day she dipped snuff and her favorite snuff was buttercup snuff. So one day dad said let's get in the car and let's go to the country store outside and we're going to get Helen's present for Christmas. So what he did was he got her a big pack of buttercup snuff. Now see that is love. That's how I lived. That's how I believed. When we were when I was grown enough to listen, you know, to hear as a kid, we had a house. My mom did not like to be in the center of stage. She didn't, and I don't either, really. So mom didn't like to sit at the front pew as the church. She liked to sit back, and I would sit with her. But she didn't like... They didn't gossip. I didn't even think of that. So mom had... Mom and dad and I the family were riding out of town to go get a hamburger in the big city of richmond that's what we did on fridays a lot so after the work week we were headed out of town and i remember my mom was like five or six and i heard my mom say to my father let's go out the other way let's go out the other way the other exit of this town and it turned out that the reason was, she said, it's those church people. We have those church people. They sit on their front porch and they watch who goes in and out of the town and talk about them. <laughs> Maybe that's where this comes from. I do not like. I do not want to know gossip. I do not do gossip. I've had in my time because I've been in ministry a lot more than people than it looks like. Dallas was the real, you know, things that went on. But before that, I had an office and helpers, and I, you know, was more in a active sense, formal sense. So I had a guest visitor back in the 90s, and it was an evangelist who was going to hold a meeting at my at office. So he he stayed up in the office, and I had a home, you know, married and everything in Relothian. So he was in the office, but when I would go to the office to work, This person, this male evangelist, would start to tell me the juicy dirt, the really awful trash on everybody that you'd ever heard in famous Christian ministry. (laughs) I do not like that. So finally, it was so bad, I made up my rule, not just three times you're out to do that. From after him, two times you're out. I don't do that. So I have a very strict policy, and I don't believe the, I believe the Bible says don't believe the evil report. So I don't believe that. So I am not moved by that, and I don't allow it. I also caution people in Isaiah eleven two 2, and 3, the picture of the coming Messiah, Jesus, the Christ, the prophet. He was filled with all of God's seven spirits, the book of Acts, in, in simple form. And he was no ego. But it said that the, the, the book of Acts, without speaking in tongues, you know, in the experience, <clears throat> it says he was filled with might, Holy Spirit, might and power, and then the spirit of counsel, spirit of the fear of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord, all these things. Yet, verse 3, that was verse 2 of Isaiah 11, verse 3 says, Yet he, Jesus Christ, the mature minister, delighted himself in the fear of the Lord, and he would not judge by the sight of his eyes nor make decisions based on what he heard. That means he had the holy, reverential fear of the Lord. Everyday awareness of life after this, eternity. There's a realm we've never, you know, to think about. The holy fear of the Lord, and he delighted in it. Reverential fear, that means he's respectful, non-biased, not a baby. He was truly on course, for the organic purpose and target God sent him for. So it says, He delighted himself, Jesus Christ, delighted himself in the fear of the Lord, and he would not judge by the sight of his eyes, and it made him sharper in discernment. Do you realize this? He delighted himself in the Spirit of the Lord, and he was quick of discernment. Yet, with all that heightened awareness and perceptive skill and discernment, he wasn't a pop psychologist. Doc, re, evil eye. He wasn't evil eye. He was servant leader. So it said he would not judge. That means he would not accuse or judge anybody like some of these saints do. I saw you. I caught you. You know, it looks like I think I heard. That is why well, I'm not a prophetic, charismatic, down deep, or anybody. Anybody that would do that. I don't go there. All right, and I have great joy. I really do. God has given me great joy. It's been difficult living around and knowing this turf. It has been. And I'm not perfect, but listen, anybody can always chat with me if you have any issue. Why? So I'm doing it to help them and many people. All right, so Jesus Christ is our model. Fear of the Lord would not judge when an accused would not make decisions based on what he heard. The scuttlebutt. He wouldn't let us... Disciples, ministers tell him that, you know, he heard God and acted with authority and character. So, going back to why I can embrace, I can stand, I can handle and not be moved or bent out of shape <clears throat> by the weird level of prophetic ministry, charismatica, as we know in <laughs> certain places, where they go into false, occult, reading, targeting. It is so, so vomitous, so bad, that one must correct for the sake of Jesus Christ and the sane people and the people who are not in the false doctrine. So that the Holy Spirit book of Acts will be repopulated, revived, uh, rekindled without turf owning, without this, without, you know. We've gotten in the age, we know we're in the age where everywhere you look, they're saying, oh, they're occult, they're witches, they're on TV, they're doing that, they're dressing in red suits. It's, we're immune. There's Harry Potter. There's all this stuff going on. And We've heard it decades. That's the world. But why? That's the world. Well, let the world's going to be the world. Why is the church doing it? These churches are foolish. Paul said, foolish Galatians, who'd put you back under the law? I'm a Galatians 1, 1, and 2. I'm not under shepherding. That's a lot of this movement, shepherding movement. Western European Levitical patriarchism, matriarchism. Alright, so it goes back to before this. On the journey up, I was in, wasn't like this. It wasn't charismatic. Nobody's Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled baptism until later we got in the Holy, I met the Holy Spirit at 20 in college, off campus, at a praise and worship, but it was not like that. Nothing was like that till the I guess the late 80s and 90s, but really worse in the 2000s, a lot more. Never this savage. Never this dark. Okay. So, we're putting an APB out this to pray on this and to work on that and to really repent from this. Okay. False authority is a big deal. There's false teaching, but false authority goes right with this if it's subliminal occult. All right. Controlling witchcraft. Many things to say, many points to make. One, I forgot to mention. My term of the teaching term is doctrinal bathwaters. You walk in. Here's the definition of the doctrinal bathwaters. When you go to a church, an assembly, a gathering, a house, or your you know a ministry cell group, are right, you walk in and you survey because you don't want to be fooled. You look around. Are they polite? Yeah, they look polite. Are they biased? You can't tell yet. do they have any I always say are they diverse? I always look if they're all one solid color, I'm not going back, but if they're diverse, at least they're trying one or two or three or five or more, I'll be happy. you know I can stand it all right. So then you think, oh, the music's good. They seem to believe the Bible. That's important. They seem to know Jesus Christ is their Savior. They seem to believe he is the way. That's important. That's Ephesians common doctrine, the first one. they got to do that if they're really saved. You think they're really saved. So you do your proofing, and then all of a sudden you start to think, I can go again. I'll go again. I'll start to support it. I love them. I really liked it. The music is great. The worship is wonderful. After a while, you pick up on the, on the way the leaders treat and think of people of life and of their doctrine, and if it is a quote cultish spirit good old boy in crowd out crowd click if it is a system if it's hierarchy if it is spooky it is people are reading people to manage them psychically psychic reading which is spectral evidence like the Salem witch watching trials you can google that that type of thing shepherding came in when I was in in 1976 Really, in 1976, God had called me to, uh, to study the body of Christ on, to know the doctrines and the lifestyles, to know the different kinds of movements. And he, I didn't know I'd know all this. I didn't want to know there. I'm letting you know how I knew it. But He said, Tavo, as a Jesus person, Baptist, I knew I had the Holy Spirit, the book of Acts, but it was gentle. Bible. All right. And so the Lord said, You're going to study, I want you to study the body of Christ. It'll be black and white, males and females know their doctrine, their red flag buds, words, their pet peeves, their music. And their. And one day I'll have you build bridges of understanding to the body of Christ. And that's what this is. So I had no bias. Nobody in my family was against anybody. Nobody said, you know, Pentecostals or we're looking down on charismatics. or I don't know if they were called charismatics back then, but, you know, they called them, you know, they were spirit-filled Pentecostals. Nobody had a bias. You just didn't do it. You know, you didn't know about it. So I was open. I've always been open because I like differences. I like enjoy. I celebrate the different kinds and looks and vibes and qualities of the body of Christ, males and females, speaking in tongues or not. Well, I had the Holy Spirit and I was curious about it. So God led me to throughout to make this my major topic that I found out, good, bad, and sideways and dysfunction. Right now, I think the general population of denominationals is so much more loving Honorable. Respectful. I don't know how biased they are or not, but I've been... And black ones have always been nice to me. Nicer than the white ones that speak in tongues. Alright. Not everybody, because there's always a remnant. And the remnants are out here. Up where I am right now, there's a lot of remnant. A lot more remnant. Black and white. In the spirit field. And that has been a gift. A lot of people. Alright. So it's pockets. Sub-pockets and sub-groups. Well... The doctrinal bathwaters are if they are the kind, which I found out about in the prophetic, that are behind the scenes targeting people and looking for witches. And they won't speak. They never confront. These people have never, ever spoken to me. And even when I've tried, it was like... So I started to embrace it. I thought, wow, Lord, they're for the grace of God. Go on. So two things. One... When the Lord led me along this journey, he said, in the 90s when I started to stumble across more prophetic, moving in the gifts, not all. And I was sent to Florida, Dallas, Charlotte before coming up here to live, and Tulsa many times. So I can tell you different pockets of different flavors with different groups. You know, different Christian communities have a different feel or a different emphasis or a different flow or a different tug whatever you call it but along the way God had put him a heart he said Tevo if I ever have you if you ever come across things that hurt people or hurt yourself or hurt people or my good name when you go when I send you because I was never going just to go I was led of the spirit like Enoch slowly time-consuming had life going on other things I did one day in, one day out. If he said, go, I went. If he said, don't go, I don't. If go to a conference, yes. And I would ask people to go with me. Irony. Irony. I would ask people, Mom, can you go? Sister, can you go? Friend, can you go? Can you go? No, we're too tired. We're, we don't want to go. We can't afford it. That has been why I ended up like this. Because I'm a very cr- creature of love. I lo- enjoy people. All right. God needed this sign as a type to trigger this what I'm telling you now and I never would have dreamed it it's the boys club in ministry it is because I deal with men all the time men are great not all men are. it's the doctrine and the belief set that makes it a boys club of cronies or whatever bias control not everyone should be who looks like them is one but not even not all who look like them are not them <laughs> My daddy was not one, and the people I hang around with that are white, black, and brown aren't, but it's major this is major in the book of acts christian you know spirit filled community, so the doctrinal bath waters will get you later if they if you don't know they do it and you're going there and you think you're innocent, and all of a sudden you realize, this is they're gossiping, and they won't confront me they're they're reading me, but they never speak. Then you look at Paul. You got to know your Bible. Second <clears throat> Timothy three one through five. If they are lovers of themselves, they really you know weird stuff going on. Read the character fruit. Make sure you're not doing it or me. But then get out. The second one would be if they're Pauling command to balance out the Hebrews ten twenty five command to go. You better watch out. The doctrinal bathwater. <laughs> And that could be in life, you know, secular as well. I always thought it'd be secular. I didn't know it'd be this. I didn't think I'd teach Christian stuff, you know, like this. The other one would be Pauline Commands, 1 Timothy 6 5. If they measure you by your money, that you are not blessed, they call you not blessed, the leadership, because you don't have money like them, get out. And we have. All right. So there is a level of discernment and direction you need to know, but it's an inward thing that God has to uh, reveal. If why would you be careful about dysfunction and taking your family, yourself, your children? Why, all right? If you get a bath, if you draw a bath, put bath water in your bathtub, you get in there and immerse, and you don't want any hidden particles. Viruses, fungus, poison. To be in that bathwater, it would be invisible, and you wouldn't know it later. It could ruin you. All right. So you get in the water, you get out, and if something clings to you, this is my print. What I learned. I haven't ever, ever been around anything like this. If it's in the bath waters, it's emotional. It affects your soul, mind, will, and emotions. It could affect your spirit. It could affect your salvation if they're off the Bible, you know. But it's the spiritual realm. So you get out, and something—if something foul, false—is in there. It will cling to you invisibly, subliminal. If they're targeting you and you didn't know it, you don't fit their type. You're not their stereotype pet. If they have an evil eye, if they're self-righteous, if they word curse you. Word cursing has been the worst. It's <laughs> been a nightmare. Why? Why? Because they won't speak to you. <laughs> what does the word say? 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, lovers of themselves. They won't relate. They just like to be superior. All right. So if they're reading you, the issue is the word cursing. That means targeting you, saying you're a witch accusing you of being a witch, accusing you of being a warlock, accusing you of being of a Jezebel, an underminer, having baggage, male or female, black or white. Why? Because they've never talked to you. They refuse to Matthew 18:15 confront meekly Galatians 6:1 talk to you privately. They'll jump you in public. I'll talk to you about jumping in public another day. I've jump been jumped every time every like every 10 years for a while. So I got out of that. I just didn't know that's what they, the license, licentiousness in the grassroots in ministry. LP, LP, it's the doctrine. So then you think, oh, uh, well, what I did in 98 when I started to realize I triggered it, God had called me someplace. They flared up the LP flare, you know, steering the headlights. It's a woman, whatever this is on me. It made me think, what is wrong with me? So I searched my heart and I studied their doctrine. I thought, if I nowhere all these years before Baptists, black brown people, Vietnamese nobody ever had done it to one kind that have the mean streak in them and I triggered it and I thought well, God says if you see it three times or more, this is what he said if you see something I show you, it could be something else too, not just this if you come across this, when I'm sent you out and you're innocent, you've got a pure heart If it happens three times or more to you or somebody else, different places, that is my sign to you that I see a lot of it, and I'm getting your attention to to teach on it. So when I started to get what I called racially profiled as a type on their hit list, I thought, all right, that's God. Let me study him back. I'm going to racially profile him back, and I did in '98 on really getting. I couldn't believe it. So I got, they were white, they were all white, always white, this group, sedentary, patriarchal, matriarchal, like, a, you know, the only white men re- leading. And back then it wasn't in 98, not even a woman leadership, barely, if anything, a token white black person. And I went, OK, therefore, the grace of God, go I. Then I realized they're from they're Western European. So am I. What's the difference? That is the difference of the patriarchal patrician. Patrician. Roman patricianism is usually in this. The patricianism is, if you Google Roman patricians, they were the 80 aristocrats of Rome that were slave owners, really tough, like the, um, the rulers of Rome, and they owned everybody. They were wealthy. Now, when you look at the whelp that go back to America that brought over on the first colonies and the Salem witch trials, there were good patriarchs and mature ones, and there were unhealthy ones, and the unhealthy ones had the Salem witch trials where they were reading people. They were dysfunctional. Reading people as women, as witches. So there's an issue with women, a big ought against women. Goes over to Eli, evil eye Eli and the women treatment in First Samuel. So all these have been a clue, a puzzle we've put together by God's grace. But I've never been around people going into the occult, which is a giant red flag for movements and people and, and offices. So here if you take your kids, if you have a marriage and you're in the wrong kind of doctrinal bathwater, false religion, or they're fault-finding, or they love drama, a lot of these people misspeak be raised abused or something i didn't i wasn't raised dysfunction so you go in there you're cheerful that stands out maybe that triggers them because i'm cheerful pretty cheerful but anyway but then you think well what's going on and you notice the drama there seems to be always dark mystery Nobody speaking intrigue emotions it's too much reading people leads to drama it's a lack of relationship it's smug it's hearty, but it's spooky and evil because it's not relating. First John 1, 7, when we walk, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship one with another. Not a selective, I'll be nice to you and hate you. That's bad. So we are calling this out as false advertising. These people are guilty of taking the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Anybody's got a Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 fellowship fruit? Or 1 Timothy 6, five, Pauline, that says, get out. Then you are false advertising and marketing yourself as a church, a fellowship, a ministry that represents Jesus, the organic, my Jesus. But you really don't want all of them. You just want money from these people that you bring them all in. Say, we want you all. We're saved. But you only want a few. You are failing to discern the body of Christ correctly. Failing to take the name of the Lord thy God not in vain. Why? It's bait and switch. Oh, here, come to Jesus' house. We love you. Oh, yeah, come to Jesus. Come to our conference. Pay money. Put it in our plate. But when they get there, it's a tribe that is hostile, reading people, occult, witchcraft, sizing you up to think by your temple, sizing you up. You're, too, you're not the right one for us. So then they start to demean you, objectify you, marginalize you, defile you. It's defiling people. That's why we're saying it like this. It is a cult spirit. <laughs> oh, I've taught about it a lot. I could go on and on, but I won't. All right, let's get back to some normal things. All right. The issue is it's control, it's false religion, it's new age, it's psychic, it's damnable, it's dominating. Why do you want your kids there? It can affect your marriage because there is an anti-woman bias, big bias in that, repeatedly. All right, be careful. Well, when I was growing up, it wasn't like this. That's why I get concerned. I go over the top to shock it, to make it frightened, to think, discover its own error. I really do. We don't want them to have loss. I respect them. I could talk to them. It doesn't bother me. That bothers me the witchcraft bothers me and it bothers God as a prophet for the you know for them. all right we don't want them to be lost and 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 you know the old the saying you know, if you're using false authority, which was what this is to read people, manage them, suppress them, do all these things, undermine them, uh, use false authority that is a giant. Deal, False religion, but false authority. Matthew 7, 21, 23 is Jesus Christ red letters. It says many of you, many of you, many of us, many of you will say, Lord, Lord, didn't I prophesy in your name, cast out devils in your name, do signs and wonders in your name. And Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you, you who practice lawlessness. The word lawlessness is translated iniquity. It also is translated in Bible Strong's Bible Concordance as lawlessness, false authority. You who practice false authority, witchcraft. What is witchcraft? Let's describe it, not scary. Witchcraft is rebellion. Is as a sin of witchcraft. First Samuel fifteen twenty three. That's one of them. But it's like wiccan. The word wiccan is bent wicker. Wicker is twisted wood, purposely designed and orchestrated to constrict it, to control it, to make it move in its direction. Wiccan is the kind we're talking about—false religion. I would warn these and caution everybody. In the Book of Acts, um, in the Matthew seven twenty-three, outwardly rebuking and exhorting. The Pharisees, for walking in false authority, many Pharisees, many ministers, it talks and focuses on that scripture, Matthew 7, 21, 23, the book of Acts crowds. Noticeably, the book of Acts crowds, it says, many of you will prophesy in my name. Many of you will do cast out devils in my name. Many of you will use signs and wonders in my name, and I won't let you in heaven. All right. Why? It's that realm of the spiritual realm. Book of Acts is subjective more than any other way. It is more ethereal. It is more attempts to mesmerizing, to control people, to read them in this, you know, false, uh, to travel in the spirit, get out of. It's the second Kings 612 groups we're talking to gone haywire. There is a gift. That is a natural God-given gift that can be a prophetic gift to a seer, a person, a leader, a lay. And I have it. Alright, right, Second, Timid, Second Kings 6.12 is Elisha. It said Elisha could hear what the, prophet, what the king said in his chambers. Elisha, the prophet, could hear what the king said in his chambers. Now let me break it down for modern society. This was not sick voyeuristic. This was not intrusive. This was not trying to target, to read his sin, to know his business, divining. That is what this is. This dysfunction is that. Praying against included. All right. In my opinion, I'm submitting as a sila. Pause and think about not dogma the way i feel it is is that it is a gift that's needed in ministry christian ministry leadership to watch out and protect people and you can look at somebody and scan them with love and pure intentions and you will get an impression from god that is a gift he gives you i believe it's like more like a it would be a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, an impression that matches James 3.17 fruit that would not be devilish. It would not be, I'm going to use my proud, my big seer gift to target. See what's in their soul. See if they're sleeping around. See if they're in rebellion. See if it's a witch like I think they all are. That's how bad it is. It's how horrible it is on the front lines when you visit. If you're not a whelp (laughs) i'm not a whelp i have more diversity on me i really do all right when we're looking we are not spying we're not trained to go out of our way to dig and dig and dig around and ferret out their business or their sin that's crapology it really is it's false it's evil it's that is a weird facet to know about to watch out for big time in the doctrinal bathwater teaching so i go way back i can go way back to before this and i can be joyful but i will say it's a i'm dry because i don't get to go to any really big worship i get to go some places but there's a different level you know different kinds of worship but i can't go to this stuff now it is just that damning it is that bad i've had people read me so much (laughs) made you really like gun shy why do you want to go it made me it's so dysfunctional why do you want to go there i have to obey paul i'm submitted to paul more than them I'm going to submit to Paul. He says, get out if that's false teaching, like, the, you know, false fruit character issues. Now, I can go way back. Let me be calmer now. All right. So I was raised Baptist, not religious, right? Not political, but just, you know, not racist, but just normal people, natural people, like many people now. Son sort of our EORR, equal opportunity, real respectful kind of people, behind the scenes, in front of people. So then I met the Lord, sort of like a Billy Graham type. And then I uh, met the Lord on my own in Virginia Beach at a Bible study that was like Jesus people. And that's when I got on fire for the Lord because I like dressed down back in the day. So when I went, it was right before college, I made Jesus Lord of my life. And I officially wanted to, you know, I got fi- turned on it wasn't filled with the spirit it was just like more really turned on and fired up for the Lord to be his servant, do whatever he wants. So then when it was time to go to college, uh, I was in Virginia Beach. I lived in Virginia Beach, which I really like, metropolitan, like Norfolk, Virginia Beach. And so then I was being led to where to go to college. So when it was time to go to college, mom, dear mom, who later repented because her parents, her, her background, owned slaves back in the day. You wouldn't know it, but anyway she repented we are in the 90s she and i went to this group because i had been repenting with pastors black and white reconciliation for you know, a long time but mom officially went with me and repented for all of that i repented you know you can't do anything better than that you can't do it you wouldn't do that yourself so mom mom um was more matriarchal than i am And so she wanted me to know before I went to college, her loving daughter, firstborn, she wanted to fill me in all the pedigree of the family, of society. Now her mother, let me say this, it puzzles me. Mom was tending toward that, but yet she could laugh and have fun and smart lady and everything. But her mother wasn't like that. Her mom was like a servant leader like this. And my aunt, her sister was like, so I don't know. So one person at a time and I had to forgive my mom a lot cuz she was very intrusive, she was very controlling, you know. That made me so careful about not being that way and not being a female who controls, who needs to do that. Mom, people, you know, you have to forgive people. They don't know what they do and everybody's got their own personality and their own blind spot and so do I, so do you. So I forgave, Mom. I have to forgive myself. You forgive yourself, forgive everybody on your group. But Dad was the place that I could say, I want to be like that, you know. Even keel. and We had good times. We did have a happy family, really did have a happier family than most by grace. Well, anyway, so I got... Before I got filled with the Spirit, I went to college, and my mom wanted to tell me all the family stuff, my name. All I remember, I didn't. I didn't want her to tell me. I thought I do not want to know if there's anything elite. Now, see, her grandmother went like her mom went like that, but mom had that on her, and we forgave her. But the issue is, I thought I don't want to be filled because I was a Jesus person. I needed Jesus. I don't want to be filled with that. I don't want my hard drive. So I didn't let her tell me, so I really don't know a lot about my, my personal, her, her side of the family, their side of the family, except I do know that Tavo is coming down from Tavo Church, the French Huguenot, uh, on my dad, her, my grandfather, Augustus Tavo's side, and so I do have it on me, and he, my grandfather, had a lot of, he founded a lot of insurance agencies, maybe seven, or, you know, in Alabama. Other than that, I never knew either grandfather. My other grandfather, dad's father, died in Dallas, Georgia. I just saw a picture of him. I knew up until I was three, my grandmother, I mean my mother's father, A.T. Simmons, Augustus Tavo, But that was very rare, you know, a glimpse of him in my childhood memory. But people were even keel. People were more even keel in their day, in, in this group. It was a real even keel family. All right. So when I went to college, after the Jesus people uh, movement had started, which is me dressed down, and then praise and worship started. And off campus, when I was in my junior year, I went off to the praise and worship meeting, and they were—I got filled with the Spirit, low key, no shaking, no falling out, just like, oh yeah, I want it. If God, I said, as a Baptist, oh yeah, Lord, if You want me to have it, I will accept a prayer language if you want me to do. And he gave me like two syllables. That's all it was. I thought, all right. And the man, that young man that was my friend, you know, he led the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, told me about it, which is evangelical back then. And so he said, if he wanted. I'll pray for you to have it. I prayed and I said, Lord, if you want me to have it, I will. And he did. I got two syllables. And I, he said, well, just practice it. So it was later that I understood more about it. Now I love it. But it's very practical. It's only made me have more deep, and you know, to, to stir me up, guide me, and also give me into ideas, you know, revelation, that's the word, that in the Bible. But many moves of God have also in good Bible teaching. Well, during the time of going to college as an evangelical, but no one talked like that. Now they do. You know, it's like a religious right term. Nobody was like that. I wasn't like that. It was like, oh, yeah, there's no tongue talkers. That's what you really mean. You're a Christian. And it was a good quality group. But they had a Bible study. This is when this began. All this began. (laughs) All right? When it began was... At a Bible study in the chapel at the University of Richmond in the day, down in the basement, we had some kind of Bible study, informal Bible study, and I remember reading, males and females, all right, I remember reading this passage about discernment of spirits. You know, there, if you read the Bible, Google discernment of spirits. If you Google prophecy, I would that you all prophesy. Well, you know, I didn't know all this, any of this. But I knew, you know, I had some Bible background, I thought, well, what is discernment of spirits? This is what we're getting to. About 20 years old, 21, I thought, wonder what, dis- wonder what discernment of spirits is? None of this charismatic, none of this Pentecostal stuff, none of this book of Acts that we all got everywhere, you know, a lot of things. So I thought, all right, I just would like it. That's all I did. Very calmly, I said, you know, Lord, I'd like discernment of spirits. That's what I would like. Just like that. I went on my way. I, <laughs> he answered. I didn't know I would have it like this. Now, there are moves that I don't go for. That I tried out. God led me to study them. In the eighties, the nineties, the you know, one of them was the deliverance movement. There was Vineyard Word of Faith. All these different things, which are in the Holy Spirit. You know, different volumes, and, and I love Vineyard. I like the Holy Spirit. But I learned doctrinally that I'm not going to be in a deliverance ministry. I have a deliverance ministry. But what they call deliverance move, I studied it. I'm a part of it. But I got out of it. Here's why. <laughs> I'm not against the people. There's some really good quality now. I always, you know, Everybody can always use deliverance here and there. Never stop. But I'm saying the sober, when they lose their smile and they can't joke around, they can't have fun. That's the part I left. All right. So I believe in God delivering, you know, and all that. But the deliverance move, as I recall, it was like this in the 80s and the 90s. They got so super serious, they never quit looking for a devil. And that's when I quit. Because I realized that after a while, the people that were in that, quote, deliverance field got spooky. And they they saw a devil on everybody and everything. And I think that's what these whelps still have. Carried. I think that's what the patriarchal ministry, uh, a lot of them the Levitical patriarchs that talk in tongues they're looking for the devil all the time and I fit their quality I fit their stereotype their litmus test so right now when they do that I know it and I'm just going to, alright I'm studying what they do to people this is what they're doing to all these people without speaking to them like they're inanimate objects like they're it's like their thing. When I was in Dallas, I realized how bad it is because I was never until DFW looking for fellowship, looking for a home, looking to affiliate with men. You know what I mean? I don't mind the man pastor. I'm not trying to be anybody. But I have my own ministry that I have to function in. I will. But when you're a new person in town, you're going looking for, you know, to have the faith filled crowd. (laughs) So I was looking, and that's when I realized it wasn't word of faith at the top at all. It was the other kind, many other kinds that were not Baptist, that were quality, good show, good quality. But if you go there as you're not famous, you go there if you're white dressed in an earth suit that is not their kind. The energy is vibe. I have a vibe that must be very different from theirs because it triggered it. And I thought, I've never seen misogyny. I've never realized that I fit a... That's it. I stirred 98 different places in Charlotte. I stir up this whelp spirit, this diseased whelp spirit at the top and at the bottom. So I went on the research path of determining doctrine... Strongholds and also watching out for myself. Am I one of those? But they made me the expert in deliverance. For now, in Virginia before I came here, it was so much calmer. I was calmer too. All right. I had a pastor. I had black, I had board members that was black and white people, and you know, in detail. I had a lot of things going on that I don't have. That I'd love to get that going if God needs me. If I can trust people after this journey. All right. So I had a pastor who edited my TV show. I was on TV. I was really a more formatted office, more things going than I, visibly. Yet I was still undercover, you know, embedded for the sake of this with doctrines and research like I am telling. So I was never undercovering that isn't in the scriptures, in the New Testament, there's chain of command, if you sign on to a group here's my little PS, if you sign on to a group that believes it, God tells you to go there then you are under there, with. if you want to believe it go forth, if you want to practice it, go for it. we are not, we're Ephesians 5, 21 <clears throat> mutual submission, the fear of the Lord you respect the boundaries, you observe who the top is when you're there in their presence, you respect them, Do behave, and when you leave, you do your thing more than that, but that's basically it Polite, Just polite. If you're on their team and staff, it's like you are their member, so you show up and you do what they say, basically. All right. If they're not nice, leave. That's it. So back in the day, I had a pastor. It was after the Deliverance movie. and I started getting, you know, all this weird stuff was coming to the area and the good old boy stuff and the witch watching had moved up, basically, by that time. And I'd been sent around the body of Christ to Florida many times and Charlotte and, you know, studying worship movements a lot and the revivals and things like that. And the big revivals like Toronto and the big revivals like Brownsville had come to the area. I went down there, you know, different, not all of them, but a lot of them. Tulsa, Oklahoma, many times faith movement, many times. So a lot of things were interesting, really interesting. But I'm a quiet person. I really am. I don't target people. But I triggered witch watching. Occult. That's right. So I was, um, I was going to say, so we were, I was raised so happily, so non-biased. So, but it was after the mid-90s, like the 96 on, it got really difficult with the targeting, charismatic, and the tail-bearing, false witness, and no confronting. It was just rumor mongering and I started to note that so I pulled away but I can't believe that I don't think God wants Christian attendance in a local area to be treacherous to be malevolent to be turf guarding and turf territorial and totalitarianism that's what it was shepherding movement but I had never been around it so I wasn't exactly this bold like I am now And like I said, I had board members in different parts of the town, black and white, that were not like that. Nobody had been like that until I got to the charismatic LP movements, which are now hugely, hugely successful. The issue is, if you have a bone to pick from what I've been through, ask me. Ask them. Just make it on your list to dig out your old scripture. Submit to God's whole counsel, you who are submitted submit to it all, not your sure part, and go read Matthew 18, 15, 16, make an appointment privately and confront people respectfully. Out of love. Part of love. Professional love. Then Meek, Pauline, Galatians 6, 1, leader. If if they're really in sin and it's your business they're in your chain of command in your church When nobody has ever done that to me and i haven't been in their church these who've done it or in their fellowship or in their chain of command or their family all right we learn to tell you how to behave all right so then i thought well nobody's ever cuz i'm watching you all right all these fault finders all these gossip i'm watching you let's see what you do will you talk to me or will you talk to them no Galatians 6. This is future church teaching. Galatians 6.1 says, Meekly make an appointment, go privately, one-to-one, and if it, they are in sin, if you think they're in sin, you confront them to confirm it, and then you correct them meekly, and it says this to the leader, You do it meekly, face-to-face, in a spirit of meekness, in case the same sin is, gets on you later whoa so we have a lot to talk about this is not a family this is not family friendly right now and these people this is not family this is turf this is pride this is owning this is skill it's authoritarianism not servant leader and that's where we're talking about it. so i can go back and i don't let me say this i boast in the lord i would not have made it without Holy Spirit, good Bible teaching, Word of Faith, Baptist, Missionary Baptist, people who've blessed me, Pentecostals and the Holy Spirit as well. You name it, I can find somebody, something really good. TV ministers, really. Even ones you think are not even, Listen, I was there before all this hoopla fanfare. So we can bring it down and balance it to make it a Holy Spirit, Bible, powerful Anointed authority without cruelty, useless mayhem, toying with people's lives. <laughs> what I found is that a lot of the big bossism, the current waves of big choosing to be the big boy, the big vo- the big woman, the big man on campus, that has produced a failure to really love and show the true decent side of community and gospel gossip, excuse me the community side of a safe transformed community it's now about society big I, class systems it's not diverse now I know in African Americans you can have your issues too believe me, I know, but I've never had anyone jump me never one spray me out, I've never, they've only been respectful to me, every one of them all right I have been jumped. I have been just shown up and been jumped with no one to dialogue, no one knowing me, no one because it's a random religious spirit. It's a demon in some of these churches. It really is. And false authority. Pride in their authority. I had one, I'll tell you again, I had one in Dallas my last time. The big one. I walked up in 2010 to a famous church. I was grieving. See, every time this has been the worst, it is never... When I have felt like I needed God more than ever, I needed the power of the Holy Spirit to make it. I needed it because I'd been abused. I'd been cursed out in private. I'd been all this stuff. I lost my mate, and I was like a widow grieving my marriage. I really was. Because I didn't have any voice. And I forgave him, but I loved him. All right? So there I was, a stranger, a newbie, coming in to get in the presence of God. So I went to a famous charismatic group, white group. They're diverse. I wouldn't have gone if they didn't know they'd be diverse. You know, they always had two or three, and people are trying, you know. So I went, and I was after the service, and I had been a nice service, and the head whelp, turned out well was not there. Head prophet, which I'm not going for the prophet. I'm going for the Lord. <laughs> So I thought, now's a chance. And I dressed up that day to be official because I'm a minister, 45 minutes away. I drove over there and I went to the service, very nice service, and it was the brother of the head person. So after the meeting, I thought, well, I'm an official minister. I'm going to go say hello, introduce myself, and we'll be part of the family of ministers in town in case there's a prayer need, you know, behind the scenes. Can I meet with somebody and set up a relationship with that ministry? So I went down to this, when it was, you know, at the time of a service, it's over, and it's quiet, nobody's there, and you walk up to the front very politely to shake their hand sometimes, or say hello, or say what you want. So I went up there, it was perfect timing, and this man was younger than me. See, I'm watching. I'm always on duty. I'm always, you know, I'm not scared, but I'm always watchful. <laughs> it's rightly so now. So I went down, and I was going to say hello, I was about to say, I am, and the man Saw a lone woman. I, I, I assess him. He, he sees a lone woman. There are millions of them out there. One more. He doesn't let me finish or speak. He grabs me by my wrist. Very fami- overly familiar. Doesn't discern I'm an office. Not even a human, but just a problem. That's what it looked like. Which one? I don't know. I'm not putting that on him, but you never know. Just another woman, a little woman which is okay but you're learning. So he hands my wrist over to a white woman a a woman who's shorter than me and who cuz I'm 5 foot 9. And then she is a white turns out Levitical major. So here's what happens she he puts my hand my wrist over overly familiar an office pastor prophet A pot they can't tell, which is okay, but I guess it's weird. So he puts my wrist in her hand and she has my arm in her hand, and I'm about to say my name again, and she cuts me off, and this is what it said. She says, You are not under spiritual authority, and God has sent you. I said, I am. I have a board, and I'm not I was in grief. I didn't feel like this. I was fatigued. And the stranger, the newbie, the expat from another nation, which is the East Coast to them, <laughs> the expat comes down to be friendly like a normal person, a real Christian. And instead, I've been see you know, God sent you, you are not under spiritual authority, which is their litmus. That is their idol. I went, but I am I am I have a board even if I didn't in how did how could she tell if she's a prophet? See, all these are prophets, skilled, famous prophets, and they can't tell an Elijah from an underminer in this group. Whoa, how the mighty have fallen. all right. So she goes on and on. God has told you to God has sent you here to us and you need to be in those seats. And he points to the congregation, which was empty at that time.